Hello and welcome to Dive Collective's podcast, where we highlight the gifts and talents of our community of believers. Here at Dive Collective, we believe that to fully live, we need to be using and sharing our God-given gifts and talents with the world. We will always be encouraging our members within the collective to be living fully alive in this way. So here, in this space, we celebrate God by sharing the stories of those who are living out their callings and experiencing Him in both the mundane and the miraculous. Come and see. This time on our podcast, we have Amber Jones. We just discovered that we've been friends for almost 20 years. Officially, we are old friends. We have walked beside each other as we've grown so much. We've grown in um, life and theology and our giftings and callings. And she's just such a gift to my life. So I'm excited to finally, I was like, when I knew we were going to have you on, but it was like, when are we going to do this? And when is it going to make sense? This is perfect timing because this week I'll be recording with you too for your podcast. Amber has a podcast called Gold Digger. I cannot wait for you to tell us about how you came upon that name. And I think we should probably start there because you can tell us how you came up with that name. We'll probably get a good idea for your mission and vision for that ministry. Yeah. I started the Gold Digger show about two years ago and it kind of was born out of, I came out of a season in life that was filled with tremendous pain and suffering. My little sister lost her battle, her years long battle with cervical cancer. And it was a miserable death and just, you know, it was long drawn out and um, filled with a lot of pain and suffering. And just the whole thing was such a sad, sad story. I remember saying that so many times to my husband and to my close friends, like this story is so sad. There was just no good in it. it. I was in there with her the whole Mm -hmm. time, um, visiting her, flying from New York Mm -hmm. down to Louisiana where she lived to take care of her while, you know, and every time I did that, I had to leave my children at home, my husband at home and go all the way down there to be with her. And, um, her, she has five children. So, um, I was kind of caring for her and them and trying to care for my family back home while also watching her suffer spiritually, physically, mentally, Mm -hmm. in every way a person can. And after she died, which was a beautiful story, eventually I began to see the beautiful gold Mm -hmm. that God had deposited in that story. But after that, I really had to do a lot of, uh, searching with God, like, where were you? what were you doing? Why were you doing it? And just kind of talking to him, like working all that out and getting in the Psalms and learning how to lament and, and truly grieve and do it before the Lord, not just on my own. Long story short, through that process, I began to see that God's most beautiful stories are born out of suffering. Mm -hmm. God just takes suffering and he makes it into beautiful hope and life. Like he, he causes dead things to live. That's what he does. It's like his specialty. And so the podcast kind of came out of this belief that in every story, no matter how bad or how dark there is gold and we are meant to share it with each other. That's our deposit from the Lord that we're meant to share. It's for the benefit of one another and the benefit of the world to share it. Do you think that every story, every sad story is turned to gold? 
I think about this all the time because yeah. it's like a, it's like my little catchphrase now. And so that can become very trite. So yeah. I think about it. I'm like, you know, what about a, a young mom in another part of the world whose children are all dead and there's nothing to show for it. I mean, she's yes. living under oppression. She will never live in freedom and she will live and die in that situation. Am I really going to sit here and say there's gold mm-hmm. there in that story? So I think about that a lot and pray through that. And I do believe because of the hope we have in Jesus that there is gold in every story. I love something Tim Keller says this all the time. He says, even when we die, which is the worst thing for all of us, you know, to imagine happening to us or our loved ones in Christ, all the bad things are going to become undone. Mm-hmm. We're going to get that happy ending. Yeah. So even if that's the place where I find the gold, yeah, mm-hmm. it, there was gold there. Yes. Does it depend really like on whether the story is surrendered to God to do the work in it? I'm, I'm genuinely asking that question. Like I tend to think that the only real potential for these atrocious stories to be made into gold is if they're placed into the refining, like into God's hands for refining, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like on a personal level for the sufferer or the person going through it, if it isn't in Christ, then I don't know that you will ever mm-hmm. yeah. see the gold, but on a macro level for yeah. all mankind, there's gold. He yes. was working in love at all times. Yes. He was mm-hmm. suffering with the sufferer. He entered in, even if they didn't know it. Mm-hmm. From the beginning of the story, all the way through, yeah. I mean, anybody who's reading the Old Testament through the New Testament, you can see that you're, I love that for all mankind. Absolutely. We can see that there's a greater plan at work that will be gold, whether mm. we're, whether we're surrendered to it or not, he's working a, a great plan that is going to be. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So good. So you have a podcast. Tell mm-hmm. me about the different seasons that you've done and the gold that you've searched for in each of those seasons. Did you know that Dive Collective releases weekly podcast episodes on another show called The Recap? Together, Annika and I discuss our biggest takeaways from the Bible reading plan, and sometimes we have guests. We love the company, so here's a sneak peek at what we have coming. It's November, and in the blink of an eye, Christmas will be behind us and we'll be starting a whole new year. We think this is the best time to begin a Bible reading plan challenge through 2021. In this challenge, our recap podcast will count as reading for that week if you fall behind. We're going to have giveaways and incentives throughout the year, so be thinking ahead about whether this is something you'd like to be a part of and look for signups in the coming weeks. Now, back to Amber's story. So you have a podcast. Tell me about the different seasons that you've done and the goal that you've searched for in each of those seasons. The first season was kind of a hodgepodge of all the things that interested me. And um, that's honestly part of why I did the podcast anyway. When I was a little girl, my sisters and I used to pretend like we were on a talk show. I think (laughs) I told you this, Erin. And we would um, record ourselves on cassette tapes. And of course, I was always the host, the bossy one. (laughs) who would, um, you know, direct everything. And then they were always my guests. And we would have all this drama and Honestly, this podcast is like living out that dream where I just get to do what I want to do on it. But um, so the first season really reflects that. And I talked a lot about women's issues the whole first season, women's issues in the church, 
um, female subordination and um, theology and doctrine surrounding all of that. So that's what the first season does. And the second season we moved into, I can't remember if it's second or third season was radical acceptance. I spent a whole season on radical acceptance because that changed my life. That whole concept. That was so good. Mm -hmm. I would recommend that season for anybody that's learning to lament. Anybody that's in a season where they are just not getting it and they are waiting to discover where the gold is because it just looks so black. I feel like Mm -hmm. that was a really, that's a great season that will minister to anybody going through a time like that. And I can think of about three people off the top of my head. I should probably be recommending that to you right now. Yeah. I need to listen. Oh, it's, it's a life-changing concept. Um, It is a, it is a psychological modality in therapy that therapists use, which is how I learned about what it's called, but it's honestly just gospel too. Mm -hmm. When you break it down, they're just repackaging something that Jesus reiterates to us over and over again about letting go and surrendering, Mm -hmm. not trying to control. We -hmm. love to control Mm -hmm. and we suffer because of it, because of our inability to let go and accept, accept others as they are exactly as they are not expecting any change, just Mm -hmm. accepting them, accepting ourselves, accepting God the way he is Mm -hmm. because we don't like the way God is a lot Mm -hmm. of times that alone will you know, knock your socks off living by that. On your podcast is every episode, do you interview someone on any, every episode or is it just you on some of I actually didn't start interviewing until last season. My whole goal was to keep it 15 minutes or around then every episode because I, I really despise uh, wasting people's time. I don't like to do that. So I try to be succinct and really get the, all the meat going in 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. but then with interviewing, you can't do that. So, um, they've gone longer since I started interviewing last season was about living in exile. Yeah. Where did that come from? So after my sister passed away, we had to fight hard to get custody of three of her children who were self-destructing and were on a path for they were just being churned in the system. They were in actually the, the um, child welfare system there in Louisiana. And so we had to fight to get them. Then once we got them home with us, it was a fight from that minute on again, because they weren't, they were traumatized and hurting. And so the next three years of our lives, we often just called it like being in exile. We felt like we were so alone. Like we were in this place with God where he was just letting all this pressure come down on us. Like he was allowing it. And our marriage was under so much pressure. Our family was under so much pressure on in every conceivable way. And so we were in this place of almost misery. It was mm-hmm. really miserable. Yes. <laughs> we were just, but also beauty. Like it was mm. so awesome during those three years, what God was doing. I remember listening to a sermon at that time by Priscilla Shirer. And she said, um, she said, we always want to be in the palace and we don't want to be in the desert in those desert times, but bushes don't burn in the palace. They only burn in the desert. It's so true. I could have just tattooed that on me at the time. I'm like, (laughs) we are out in exile, but the bush is burning all around Mm -hmm. us. 
so it was it was awesome so then when COVID happened i saw all the stuff going on in people's lives and we were living in a way we had never lived before as a world as an entire world i thought this is a little taste of what exile feels like mm. where everything that's normal is gone you have nothing to cling to mm-hmm. and you're having to redefine yourself and what life is even about so that season was really like talk about ministry it was like you were recognizing that the entire world was experiencing what god was had already had you in a season of and it was like let me take what god has shown me and how he's grown me and let me offer it to the Mm -hmm. world right the gold yeah the gold and i brought on a bunch of guests that i knew had also lived through those kinds of things and the gold in them was just amazing. In fact, one of the episodes from that season is still just to this day, getting so many downloads. Um, Which one, which episode? Jen's episode. Yeah. It's um, when God requests alone time with you. That's how she conceptualized exile. I thought that was amazing. Like God requests alone time. You will do well to submit. (laughs) That was actually, so this is kind of a fun story. So Amber is a member of Dive Collective. It's like wherever we go, we tend to get really involved in our communities and our churches and our faith communities. And and we're living it out in fullness and spending a ton of time in those communities. And that's what you were doing in Hawaii. Like there, you were busy. You were busy with raising how many teenagers? Five teenagers? Six teenagers? Yeah, six teenagers. Yep. And... I came from Guantanamo and came here, never not having any idea that like God was preparing Dive Collective that was going to mm-hmm. launch the month that COVID hits and the entire world is isolated. <laughs> God's gift to us. <laughs> one thing that was yeah. about when you you ended up moving, and one of the biggest trials for military families, I don't know a single military family that has gone through an easy transition in the midst of this COVID because you go from one place to another, you don't know anybody and there's no way to connect because all the churches no. are meeting online. And if they are meeting in person, you're wearing masks and half of your communication is through your mouth and mm-hmm. um, facial expressions. It's just such an isolated, such an isolating time. So you became a member of Dive Collective and it was really funny because the week that you, I think I want to say it was like within a week of you joining one of our Bible studies, in another Bible study, there was somebody was sharing about a time that she was in like tremendous grief and she was kind of still in that season. And one of the members in that Bible study who didn't know that you were even a member of Dive Collective posted your podcast, that particular episode that you're talking about with Jen. And she was like, this has been really, this podcast has been really helpful for me. And she posted your podcast, which just like that is so cool. I that know. So cool. I was like, that mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> because she's just because the girl who posted it, like I haven't talked to her in, I don't know, eight years, maybe I hadn't talked to her before she joined the collective and maybe mm-hmm. eight years. she's on the other side of the planet. So it's even more, somebody's ministering to another member using your podcast. Um, so cool. and that particular episode. Yeah. That was a really great episode. The season was good. And now let's talk about the season that you're in now. How did you get to God, sex and us is the name of yeah. the season, right? Yep. Every so, time I talk, so I always think let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that should be your theme song. You're the sex lady now. Um, <laughs> but I just want to preface this by saying like, we have had 
you and I have had multiple conversations about sex. And I would say that one of the things that I admire so I've always admired so, so much about you is the way that you handle it with such, it's never funny. Sure. We laugh, but it's not something, it's not like the idea of it is funny or humorous. It's very, it's, it's not overly sacred to the point that we can't talk about anything. I don't know really how to describe the gift that God has given you to handle such a gift that God has given us um, with such just grace as you just handle it with grace. And so when I found out that you were doing a season on sex, I was like, Oh, here comes world. Here it comes. You are about to get, you're about to get a great gift. So how'd you end up here this season? Yeah. My relationship with sex is from really my earliest childhood memories are of sexual abuse, sexual trauma. So that was my life was just characterized by that my whole life. I mean, from earliest ages. So I came into the faith and one thing that appealed to me tremendously was this new life concept, new creation in Christ, old things have passed away, all things become new. So I jumped into that with both feet, just like, please just take it, Jesus, take it all. Yeah, I got married at 18. So I was a kid and I was ready to be new. I was ready to just start over, like reset. Mm. Well, that's not how it works. It doesn't work like that no matter what anyone tells you. And if, if a Christian is telling you that they're very misguided mm -hmm. and they really need to stop and think about what they're saying, because you don't get a reset when you become a Christian in terms of your memories, your mm -hmm. trauma, all the things that is carried forward with you. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite books on trauma is entitled the body keeps the score because your body does keep the score physiologically it holds that trauma the rest of your life, the rest of your life until it is resolved. Mm. So I came into the faith with all this stuff. I don't even like to call it garbage because God has made gold out of it. So I don't want to call it that anymore, but that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And I get married to this young man and he's got sexual trauma from his past, not like mine, but just the trauma is sexual harm. It's is what I call it. It's that you get from, from the culture, honestly, mm -hmm. just the culture that we live in, you pick it up along the way. So to me, sex isn't a laughing matter. <laughs> I don't really find sex funny. I find it mysterious, mm -hmm. fascinating, and amazing that God created it and yeah. wants us to do it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I just find that to be, I feel like, dude, this is a part of our faith. This is a part, this is a, as much of a spiritual discipline as anything else is. It's Whether a huge you're married part or not. of our humanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's as, like, it's, yes. it's almost, I mean, it's almost as much a part of our humanity as our five senses. It's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we neglect it. We neglect it. We abuse it. We put it to the side. We don't bring it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. let him create a new thing out of it. We repress, we block, we censor, we shame, we do all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So to me, it isn't funny and it is something we should be talking about all of the time. Mm 
And I say that because like you just said, it's part of our humanity that we carry with us everywhere. So our kids should be hearing about this all the time, talking about it freely. It should be something that in our churches, we talk about friendships, married couples. It shouldn't be a taboo subject, but it is. Yeah. I think it's because people don't know how to talk about it. And because we are doing it wrong most of the time, you know, we're, we have no idea. Nobody's teaching us how to think about it and how, right. to, um, how God intended it. If we are being taught it and we're being taught it. I mean, I shouldn't say we, I shouldn't generalize this to everybody. I know for me, like what I was taught was mostly when I was young, really too young to understand anything or, or integrate any of it with my faith. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's important when you say talking about it all the time, you're not wrong because it's something that develops, like it's still developing. We have, there's always time to be growing in this and our understanding of, of God and how he created things and how he created us. And no, nobody ever thinks about it as being just as common as our five senses. And it totally, it totally needs to be. It needs to be. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm excited about is that our next, uh, we were talking about, I'll get to be on your podcast soon. We're recording very soon that, and we're going to be talking about Song of Solomon. I mean, what a great place to, yeah, just to think about like how important it was to God that he actually made. And it's part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's made us, it's part of scripture. Mm -hmm. It's part of scripture. It's, um, a gift. Yeah. I would have loved to have been listening. I told my husband, I would have loved to have been in on that meeting where they were discussing whether or not it belonged in the canon. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's a part of Holy scripture and we don't read it. And when we do read it, it's embarrassing. And it's something to like, I have some, you know, just so many things I want to unpack about that tomorrow, but I have enjoyed reading about it for sure. And I'm really looking forward to having that conversation. So this podcast, this dive collective podcast is about talking about, we want to highlight the gifts and talents and abilities of our members and share kind of what their ministries are and where, what they're doing. So we talked about one aspect of it. And like I said, I know that this is just your podcast is one aspect of your ministry. There are several other things that you do. And so one of th- I want to talk about before we're done, I want to talk about your writing, how you got into writing, the way that like you've been called to it and the ways that you've used it to glorify God. But then I also want to, I want to end by talking about what you're doing right now at George Fox. So let's start with okay. your writing. Tell us how, tell me about writing. When did you start writing? How so I'm one of those people who's, who is just a writer. I've always written since I could it as a kid. One of the ways I dealt with my insane childhood was writing. I mm. didn't journal. I wrote poetry, really dark, disturbing poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have it? No, I don't. But one of my uh, friends from high school actually told me on Facebook the other day, they have a bunch of my stuff that I shared with them. So I can't wait to see what that's like. That's going to be a trip. So yeah, I wrote and wrote, I always wrote, but then once I became a Christian and of course not into dark, disturbing poetry anymore. And then very, you know, about three years later became a mom, didn't have time to write. And honestly, I kind of just started saying things, you know, like I have no talent. I have no, um, 
ability, nothing special, no gifts that God's given me. You know, I would joke about that all the time and just say, you know, basically my job is wife and mom. That's my job and it's good enough. And of course there's more to me than just the roles that I play. I'm a person just like every single person is a person. They're a human with a soul mm -hmm. and God made you not just a function as this or that, mm -hmm. but as a complete person. And every single person is deposited with gifts and talents from God. Yes. And so as I went into this phase of adoption with our third child, Naya, my daughter, we adopted her from Ethiopia. It opened up this wellspring of pain that I didn't know I had just having a daughter for one thing. Mm. I had sons previously and then also she was adopted and we didn't love each other like I thought we would. We mm. didn't bond right away at all or even for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so I had nowhere to put all that pain. I couldn't talk to people about that because they adored her. She is adorable. She's amazing. And so I had to put that somewhere. And so I started writing again and eventually got brave enough to share it. And the, the way that sh connected me to other people, yes. that writing strand, when I threw it out there, like, is there anyone in the world who's ever felt this way? And then it was like, yes, we have. It was just a, a total response that, that reminded me of the purpose of writing, yes. which is to connect, connect ourselves to ourselves and connect us to one another. Yes. And so I ran after that and it's just been, I take, I took a bunch of writing classes and really studied the craft and wrote some fiction books and wrote a couple of Bible studies and write articles and a couple of things have been published. So it's just what I do because I love doing it. It's who I am. Yes. I love that so much. I love that. It's, it's an illustration of how God's blessing, it always goes in every direction. Mm -hmm. it, it, when you use your gifts to bless the world, it do, it never just blesses other people. It always mm -hmm. comes back and mm -hmm. heals us really like healing comes. Mm -hmm. In fact, I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'll say that with, that's the case for writing. I have, I experienced the same thing. I only discovered, I didn't even know that I could write, but in going through the pain with Lydia, that's when I discovered mm -hmm that writing was real therapy and that finding out that other people could relate to my story or that my story in some way helped somebody understand their story. Absolutely. It gave her life meaning. It gave her life meaning and it gave my suffering meaning. And yeah, story is so powerful. Story is really mm -hmm. powerful. And I think I don't have, I think I only scratched the surface in my understanding of of that, which I would, I don't know. Are you actually willing or able to talk about where you're headed with your dissertation? If we go there? Yeah, oh. absolutely. So that's a great segue to talking about what you're doing at George Fox. Tell us what you're doing there. So I'm working on my doctorate at George Fox university. It's in spiritual formation and leadership. And part of what I have to do to fulfill my obligations for the program is to create a project that is original and useful to the church. And so after going back and forth about a lot of different things I could do it on because it's, you can do it on really anything that you're interested in. So we're at a weird juncture or a weird period of time 
in the world where I think the division, it might not be that we haven't ever been as divided as we are now. I think we, we probably have been, but I think it's the volume has been turned up on the division Mm -hmm. worldwide. Like we're Mm -hmm. divided on so many lines and it's like all just so important. You know why we're so (laughs) divided and um, that I think it makes us feel more divided and that felt experience that we're having is I do believe pretty critical right now. Mm-hmm. And so the whole premise of my show, my podcast, almost all my writing, no matter what the topic is on is this idea that story is, has the power to bridge the divide between human beings and apparently even between God and human beings, because mm-hmm. he's the greatest storyteller and he uses story. I mean, what, Oh my goodness. Not only just the whole obvious Bible, right. but Jesus alone in his teachings and his, the way he used story to help open up spaces in our brains and hearts that were hard or had no entry. Yes. You know, combining those two things, if we could find a way to tell our stories to each other well, and to tell and to learn to listen to each other's stories well. So those two things, telling of the story and listening to the story I believe division could be ameliorated to a large degree. Mm -hmm. Do you think I was just like pondering this? Do you think radical acceptance will fit into that listening, listening portion? I think it'll have to, because you're going to hear stories that you can't, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that person. Yeah. You don't like it's offensive. It's upsetting. It's, you know, one thing that I've discovered in 40 years of life is that I'm this way. And so many, most of us are where it's like, if it hasn't happened to me, then I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Like it can't be that bad. I mean, I remember saying from every foolish thing I've ever believed, like postpartum depression wasn't a thing until I had it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, adoption issues. We were, weren't a thing until I was going through it myself, yeah. raising teenagers, having troubles in your marriage, this, it's, it could be anything. And until you've experienced it yourself, you have a hard time believing the experience of someone else sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I do think we will have to learn how to just radically accept each other and hold space to believe what this person is saying about their own experience. Doesn't mean you have to agree. You just listen and try to learn what you can from it. Yeah. It's really funny because I love hearing you talk about it because it's such a, because you emphasize the listening part as much as the storytelling part, because mm-hmm. telling a story is way easier than listening to a story. I'm actually excited to learn from that, from yes, the God teaches awesome. you and how that, what that looks like and how, how to do that actively. I would think that there's going to be some new skills, like actual strategies involved Mm -hmm. in that. That's not going to be just, I hope so. Turn my listening ears on. Yes. You know, Erin, I learned so much from you being in friendship with you. And we had a conflict one time that we were trying to resolve. And you basically said to me, I need you to listen to what I'm saying and get out of my head and (laughs) not try to, not try to figure me out, but just listen to what I'm saying is so powerful because, you know, I'm, I am the kind of person who's a a relatively good reader of human beings. Yes. But 
I'm not God. <laughs> yes. I don't know what's in your brain. I mm. need to listen. I need to turn on my listening ears, like you just said, and really lean in and hear what you have to tell me. And believe it. That's, believe like, it. that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I can yes. relate to you. I know what you're saying. It's that like sometimes we can say and people hear us, but we know that when we're done, they still don't believe us. Yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. that. Thanks for listening, but it doesn't help me if you don't actually believe what I'm saying. It's, it's a waste of the story in a sense. Yeah. Yes. yes that's, that's a so good, good point, Annika. It's a waste of the story. You just handed someone your gold and they threw it back at you. Yeah. 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 It's actually, and I think what's interesting is because I, I struggle with the same thing. And I remember, um, I feel like it's a lesson that I get taught um, on a regular basis. It's kind of a recurring like a recurring dream. It's a recurring lesson, that idea that I'm not a mind reader, that yeah. it's such a, it's such a prideful thing to think that, you know, yeah. why. and for me, it plays out most often, or it used to play out most often and believing that I, I knew why somebody was upset. If somebody was upset and acting distant, then I, I could figure it out. It, one, it always had to do with me. And two, mm. I could figure out what I had done to cause it, you know, but that was like yeah. my first real lesson. It like, I don't, it's one, it's not all about you, which is yeah. true. Like we often will take somebody's story and we're applying it to ourselves. We're trying to apply it to ourselves before we've even heard what the point of the story is, you know? And a lot Absolutely. of times, very possible. The story has nothing to do with you. It's just a gift to be very like, possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so or, the other flip side of that is right now in our current climate, of conflict and just division, like you are on this side or that side. I continually have people say, well, how can you read this person uh, when you know they feel this way about that? Or how can you, and I'm like, just because I don't agree with everything they're saying doesn't mean they have nothing of value to say. Yes. Why have we gotten to the point where we can't find value even if we don't agree in everything with everything. Yes. And I so would I say think that's, that'll be part of it is f- try, trying to find dig for that gold or in what the person is saying. And I think the church is probably guilty of that. And mm. like even more guilty of that than the world, because we're just, we're quick to yell heresy and plug our we, ears and run away. I, I have to say all the time, I'm like we created cancel culture. Christians <laughs> did that. We did that. We don't yeah. like it, but we did it. How many boycotts did we do? How many times did we just say, no, I won't buy your products if you don't believe this way politically? Or, you know, if yeah. you say this, I'm going to shout you down and take your voice from you and your platform completely. Yes. We created it. We just don't give each other space to be, to, to grow, to be who we are. Like we're all. Well, it's incumbent upon us as mature Christ followers to be able to be in relationship with people and to listen to people and take what Christ wants for us and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. It's like we think we're, it's, we're, it's like we think it's contagious what their beliefs are. Yeah. And in a sense, we have made it contagious because if somebody finds out that I follow Jen Hatmaker well, then, that, then they automatically know what I believe and right. I'm not worth listening. That is a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Also, I get the, the concern about false teaching and I don't, yes. I don't think we mm-hmm. should lightly come over that because false teaching is real. 
Yeah. And we are surrounded by it. Yeah. So it is, but even then hearing false teaching does not mean you have to believe it. You have to do the work to go find out if that's true and to study the word of God, which is what I love about the ministry you're doing is teaching how to study the word of God with you, yourself and God. (laughs) Yes. And that's the priority, right? Because it starts there. Like everything starts there. If you can recognize truth, if you understand, if you know God's character, when you start to hear things that aren't true, it gets filtered through that. Like, oh, well, that's not true. That's Mm -hmm. not who my God is. And so I can, I can ignore that. But then to value the stories, we've talked before about the fact that like, we might have people on the show. We have no idea what direction they might go. You know, we don't, we, we might not have any idea what their theology is and whether they're like a hundred percent on, but their stories are still valuable and the things and the gifts that God's given them are still valuable. And how are we going to navigate all of that? Because there's a responsibility as believers to say what's true. It's an interesting thing to try to balance that, how critical it is to make sure that what goes out is good, solid, biblical truth, you know, but still value people's image bearing status. Like they are, we are all Mm. image bearers of our God. And that's um, far more valuable than I think we even realize. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually probably the base. That's gotta be the basis of radical acceptance in general. Right. I think so. Yeah. I think, I mean, part of what brought radical acceptance into my like made it so powerful for me was my sister and I had a very conflicted relationship that was filled with pain. And we just honestly didn't like each other almost our whole lives and into adulthood. And yet she needed me and we loved each other and radical acceptance enabled me to finally see her not through the lens of me, And my experience and my perspective and how she made me feel and how, you know, all the things about me, me, me that was lifted. And I just saw her and I was like, Oh, I love you. I love you so much. You are a soul. You are beautiful to the Lord. You are precious to him. You Mm -hmm. are precious to me. And it has nothing to do with our relationship Mm. or my experience of you. Was that a God moment? Were you in counseling? How did you get there? No, I wasn't in counseling. I should have been, but I didn't have time to go to counseling with all of that. No, it was just God. The Holy Spirit was so beautifully present and holding me up when nothing else could have, because I was alone. I had no support, no husband, no friends, nothing down there. It was darkness. So it was just the Holy Spirit with me. And he helped me to do that. He helped me to see what was needed. That's awesome. He's so good. That's one of the things that we've been, we'll talk about, or we have been talking about even in Mark. It's the darkest times that he's the most present, so close, makes himself known and teaches us powerful things. That's Mm -hmm. what a great testimony. Oh, friend, I've learned so much from you over the years. I'm so grateful that you gave us some of your time. I'm really excited about sharing your voice with our world. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this story and are interested in joining an online community committed to studying and living out God's word together, discovering our God-given gifts and living out our callings, you have found a home at Dive Collective. 
Visit divecollective.org for a free reading plan and our free dive guide where we share our version of how we do in-depth Bible studies. While you're there, sign up for an upcoming live interactive dive study and join us as we strive to discover how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Come and see.